Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artists Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I'll be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who's who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. Okay, so we are officially live uh, on Reflection Artist Live podcast. Today is uh, Wednesday, April 7th, uh, and we have two special guests on with us today. We have Jason Yard, uh, which is the marketing manager for Malco Products, and then we also have Bill Kleins, which is the product specialist of Malco Products. Uh, Each of them have equally been with Malco for now four years. However, they have their own distinct background. Uh, Jason's been in the industry for quite a few years uh, with vehicle wraps and also moving into now products and being with Malco for four years. And then Bill himself detailing since he was 14. So he has quite the background when it comes to the detail side of it. But point being, we want to get to know these guys, who they are, the positions they play at Malco, and of course, you know, what has led them into this industry and or the position they currently have today. So thank you guys for being on. And I guess we'll start with uh, you first, Jason, just to give us a little background of, uh, you know, how you got involved um, in the industry and maybe touch a little bit in regards to, you know, your past uh, things that you've done that have led up to this point as well. So we could get a, a rounded idea of the other stuff that you're able to do and what you have knowledge in. Um, you, Justin, you were, you were cutting in and out just a little, and I don't know if that's my, uh, my end or yours. Um, were you kicking it off to me first? Yes. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, so a little bit about myself, my background. Um, uh, I started detailing cars, you know, it started with, you know, my folks cars in the driveway and, and moved into friends and families, um, doing just kind of on the side work, you know, for beer money or whatever through, through high school and college, um, never really, uh, started as a business. It was just really a hobby. And I've always been a car guy from a very young age and just really into, you know, every aspects of, of, uh, keeping a car clean and making it look good and, and the best it can. Um, uh, as I, as I mentioned before, I was in the, in the, uh, graphics industry for over 10 years. Um, doing vehicle wrap training. So there's a lot of those aspects that carry over, you know, back and forth. You have to prep the vehicle a specific way. You know, you have to take care when it, when it comes to removing emblems and, and cleaning around emblems and stuff like that. So there's a lot of those things that translated pretty nicely. Um, and, and I basically did training all over the country, North America for um, over 10 years um, doing vehicle wraps and all kinds of different graphics, floor graphics, wall graphics, window graphics, anything that uh, you'd print and peel and stick. Um, through that, it gave me, you know, even better understanding of how to work around a vehicle and just, you know, the ins and outs of kind of taking taking uh, door panels off and, and um, sometimes you have to take off um, handles and stuff like that. So um, definitely gave me a, a good back. That could be kind of tricky though. With I'm sure a lot of these vehicles taking these door handles off. That's oh yeah, scary it's, to it, me. That's one of the things that separates a, a good uh, installer from an expert. 
Um, you know, if you know your way around a vehicle to take, take off a door handle or a, or a side view mirror, um, you know, you, your wrap is going to hold up that much better. It's going to look that much better at the end of the day. So, and then the last four years, uh, almost four years been with, been with Malco as product manager and, and marketing manager, uh, really looking after, um, the full product for portfolio. Um, you know, we have, uh, another guy on our team, uh, that kind of rounds out the product team. Um, but it's, it's Bill and Miles and myself that, that really look after, um, not only development with, with our lab, um, but commercialization from start to finish for any of our products. Very nice. Very nice. So with, with the position though, overall, like what, how did that come about with Malco on your plate, the brand, the company and all that? I mean, where did, where did that kind of land in your lap to, to get you involved with them? Well, um, you know, I, I was with uh, uh, my previous company for, for, like I said, over 10 years. And um, it came a time, you know, management changes, stuff like that, where I wanted to kind of branch out and I kind of done everything I wanted to in that industry, I became an industry expert, became part of um, a similar organization to IDA where it was for rap professionals. Um, and so I did kind of everything that I wanted in that industry. And I, and I wanted to stay within kind of the automotive industry and get closer to that. Um, and, and, you know, an opportunity came about, which was only, you know, 20 miles, not even 15 miles from my house uh, with Malco. And, and um, you know, I kind of checked all the boxes, I guess. And, um, and it, was a, it was a good fit for me to, to lend my product management background, um, but also you know, kind of passion. I think you have to have passion for, for this type of thing if you're really going to succeed um, as a marketer, as a product manager, or even as an industry, you know, expert. Oh, that makes sense. So with that said, I mean, did you go in, you just had a basic interview or how did all that kick off for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, unlike Bill, I didn't know anybody there when, uh, when I got my first interview. So um, <laughs> yeah, it was really, uh, it was really, kind of going in blind and, and learning more about the business. I had never really heard of Malco before, um, before my first interview and, and uh, just kind of went through the process and met Seth and Stuart and um, you know, the rest of the team. And, um, and it was, it, like I said, it was a good fit for, for, for both sides. Now I know that you've grown with in, in the company. What position did you start off with once you got the job at Malco? I, well, I was hired in to do to do specifically product management, which is my background more more so than anything. Um, but quickly thereafter, um, you know, we had some people move around and 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 leave the organization, and so I quickly moved up to marketing manager with kind of a um, an overseeing of several different aspects of the marketing team, not just not just product management. So. It, it, there, it, it evolved from there. And, um, really we, it's, 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 it's a family owned company, so it's still fairly small. So we wear a lot of hats, you know, everybody's, um, everybody pitches in when they need to and, and does what they have, they have to. So. And then you work a lot with Bill as well. And because of yeah, we're, being a we're kind of a package deal. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, that's probably why you're talking to both of us today is, uh, we work in hand to, to not only develop the products from inception, you know, ideation all the way to, to launch, but, um, you know, he works really well with the lab um, to, to help develop those products and um, not only uh, develop them, but understand them inside and out. And, um, you know, I'm not um, a detailing expert 
per se, at least not yet. But um, with with his knowledge and my knowledge combined, we make a pretty good team. Very nice. Very nice. So you guys complement each other in regards to where one area you're not as an expert in, he is, so it helps out as being a team and vice versa. Absolutely. So with that going on now with Bill, give us a little background that you, you know, that got you started in the industry, Bill, from that, from that young teenage year age. <laughs> so it's, it's actually like a, it's a family thing. My whole family's into cars, uh, both sides. And I've just grown up around it all my life. You know, anything with an engine and, and or, or two wheels really has always been um, interesting to me. Needless to say, uh, you know, I started detailing really young because it was really the only thing they'd let me do. I wanted to get in there and start working on the engines and everything and, you know, do some body work and everything. And, uh, you know, they were like, well, you got to start somewhere. And they let me start there. And, you know, I progressed. I started off just, you know, wiping stuff down by hand as a kid. And, um, you know, by the time I was 14 years old, I had people, I had customers coming to my house, dropping cars off. And I was detailing cars on the weekends, weeknights. And uh, it actually, you know, allowed me to buy my first muscle car before I was even 16. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it helped, you know, push me even further and deeper into the automotive industry. So from there, I went to um, a college called McPherson College, and I got a four-year bachelor's degree in classic car restoration. Um, were you still I, detailing while you were in college? Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, my time was just so split that... Um, I was able to bring my detailing background into the restoration because, you know, details are important in restoration, especially Absolutely. when you're doing, you know, you've been there Pebble Beach style. That was the level at which I was going for. And, um, you know, in that industry, there's nothing but perfection that's acceptable. So with a detailer's mindset, that really set me apart from a lot of other people that came from, you know, maybe working on tractors at a farm. Not to say that there wasn't great things from that, too but there's a level of cleanliness and expectation that you're already at. Yeah. So, so I always thought that that was like a benefit of having that detailer mindset. Uh, no matter really what, whatever you're doing in the automotive industry, details are super important. Um, so from there, I, I actually got an internship and worked with Mercedes Benz in Germany for a little while in the classic center. So in, I, in Germany, huh? Yeah, I wow. was in uh, Fellbach, Germany. And traveled throughout Europe a little bit, came back, um, worked at a restoration shop down in Florida near you, moved to California, ran a restoration shop and did uh, vintage Mercedes for about four years. And then got a little burned out on the West Coast and decided to come home. So I'm back in Akron, Ohio now. And, you know, Jason kind of alluded to it, but I, I may or may not have had a couple friends that were at Malco. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had heard that I was back in town and, you know, still looking to be in the automotive industry, but maybe a little bit different outside of the restoration. And it was just a, a really great fit. So the, the Glaubermans are a great family to work with. And, um, you know, we've got a really awesome team to work with as well. Everybody's an automotive enthusiast. So yeah, that's always a cool thing. And, and they get it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a nice place to be just because, you know, we've got the same thought process. So who was it that you knew that helped get your foot in the front door? So um, I think, you know, John Miller, correct? Yeah. National, Malco national sales manager. He's a personal family friend of mine. So it, it was a, 
it, it worked out very, very well. He had started, you know, about six months ahead of me and um, some people had moved around a little bit and it just, it all fell into place at the right time. Now, when you started with, with Malco, did you still go in for the standard uh, um, interview and, and things like that? And, oh, yeah. and get, to, oh, yeah. get the rundown like everybody else? Yep. Still had to go through the process and, um, you know, met with Seth and, you know, once the onboarding process was, was over, it's kind of been rock and roll since. So we've, we've really what done position. It. Did you start with, I started as a product specialist. Oh, nice. I've actually, um, I wear a lot of hats cause now I, I do a lot with social media as well. So I'm sure every once in a while you see across the, the, the um, Facebook, you know, you'll see our, um, our videos and everything pop up and I, I help a lot with the video. Yeah, you guys do really good videos and they're fun. That's the thing about it. They're not just cut dry. This is your product. This is how you apply it. And then this is your results. Great, buy it. <laughs> no, you guys actually you know, put time and thought into it and, and you're enthusiastic, but at the same time, you have fun with it, which is really cool. Um, yeah, so we, we try and have a good time. I think it's pretty hard for Jason and I to be 100% serious when we're on a camera or there's a camera in front of us. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a good time, but we get a lot done too. Very nice. Now, as, as you guys plan as a team, um, let's dive into, you know, what you guys have accomplished for Malco and what you could take credit for in regards to some of that product development. Uh, as, as those four years have come together for you guys and you've obviously come even closer and closer over time, what products have you guys really been on the forefront of that, that you could take a lot of credit for developing and promoting and things like that? Well, I'll let, I'll let Bill start because integral in the uh in the epic series um i i can't kind of came in at the tail end of it so i can't take a lot of credit for that one so the uh the epic compounding system was actually my first project when i started at the company you know four and a half years ago now and um it was definitely my first time you know in product development i'd never been on that end of the spectrum before i've always been you know the end user so it was really interesting for me to step in and be able to work with our chemists and you know our sales team and have this wealth of information to work off of. You know, we need to know attributes of what's going on in the, uh, the industry that people like, what's going on that they don't like, you know, dusting, runtime. And uh, it was definitely eye-opening, but at the same time, you, it gives you the opportunity to cater something the way you think it should be. And um, collectively, we had a lot of uh, people that were involved in that project from sales to, um, you know, just about anybody in the office. And it, it just, it was a, it was a neat experience to be involved in. So since, since the Epic compounding system all the way up to now, you know, Jason and I have been on just about everything you've seen in the last four years, I would think. How long would you say it took you guys to really dial in that Epic system? So from start to finish on the Epic system, it was actually one of the fastest we've ever done. And we turned that out in roughly six or seven months. Oh, wow. So it doesn't always work out that way. You no. know, when you're in a lab and you're, you're working with chemicals, sometimes they play nicely together and you know, other times they don't. 
but um, the pieces fell together on that one. And, and I think you've used it as well. Um, it's a solid system. It worked really well. Oh, yeah. that uh, That's one of the things. The, the, the system itself is definitely uh, uh, seals the deal for those that are, you know, getting into detailing or starting to get into paint correction and that aspect of, of the, of the detailing. But yeah, the, the compound, you know, like yourself, you know, you start to play with so many compounds, you look at all these different characteristics and you start to try to figure out what's going to be the best fit for that compound based on its characteristics. And of course the, the paint you're working with, but the Epic compound itself, the heavy cut, that stuff is in a category of its own because you guys have hit the mark on more of the sweet spot of it being able to deliver a high level of cut, a great level of finish minimizing dusting. I mean, dusting's dusting, right? Sometimes it's the pad, sometimes it's the user. There's so many variables to that aspect of it, right? you know? And, um, but overall work time too, right? I mean, the work time on it and being favorable to many different paint systems. Um, you guys definitely hit the mark there. The, the rest of the lineup is good too, but my favorite out of the three is the heavy cut. And we use that in our arsenal quite often. Um, <laughs> usually I'm bugging Jason for something if I start to run out. And I buy that stuff in the gallons. That's not that's not a court. Keep it in the cabinet. Need when used. It is a we're using it. That's our one of our go tos. You know, one of our top three to say that's in the cabinet for that reason. Yeah. yeah. And once I got turned on to it, I was like, wow, I need more of this. This is like liquid crack. <laughs> that's a good not, endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Well, not literally. I mean, I don't drink the stuff, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. Yeah, I no. recommend it. <laughs> um, so, with that said, though, Jason, as far as your your role in the Epic line, I mean, what where did you contribute to that? Um, you know, you just said you came in towards the towards the end of that. Yeah. What, yeah. So they just launched it when it when and and I think that was part of the the push for a new product manager was was um, Miles was really kind of overwhelmed with with launching it not only on the Malco side but launching similar product on on the Presta side and um, and and there was a lot of horsepower put behind that product we knew it was going to be a home run so. Um, everything kind of after that, you know, so, so we've continued the, the Epic line with, um, you know, the revived new, uh, for, for the, uh, plastic cladding and, um, um, you know, rubber on your vehicle. Um, and then, and then, you know, um, the CR2 has been kind of our biggest hit in the last couple of years, uh, with our, with the, uh, you know, the, the, the push for spray ceramics, and ease of use for, you know, ceramic type coatings. So um, that one has been, you know, that one I can take a, a, a lot of credit for, um, you know, Bill obviously helped develop, but um, we, we launched that uh, about two and a half years ago and it's been nothing but success. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, there's been a number of other hand um, home runs like the uh, iron blaster for removing you know, the, the iron particulates, it's, it, that's continues to be a good product. Um, and, and last year we, we launched, um, Epic fabric coat and leather coat. Um, again, just great protection to round out kind of, you know, that line where we, we really position it as a, as your, as your high performance, um, product line. So just to kind of spin off of what you said with the new development of the, of the leather coat, you know, I, I, I get an opportunity to play with a lot of manufacturers' products. 
and not to single out any individual manufacturer, but you guys have hit the mark on a lot of stuff and a lot of manufacturers do, you know, but not every sure. product is a home run. Right. Sure. And that's, that's the thing about being a detailer and being a technician is that we get to be able to play with this stuff and figure out sometimes it's personal preference. You know, the product exactly. may work great, but it may not just be your personal preference. Uh, and, and some are like that. However, I got to say that leather coat, you know, with being able to take a traditional leather conditioner approach with something that goes on easy, that could be massaged in, not leave any oily residue and still leave, you know, not permanent hardcore protection, but some stuff that's going to give you quite a few months based on, you know, wear and tear and traffic, of course, right. that stuff is badass. That has been a game changer for our shop because Good. we've been able to transition from traditional leather coat without having to change our prices and give incentive to the customer so when they come in for their interior, they're using us because we're giving them extra without having to pay extra. Nice. And it's, yeah. yeah. And that, that in itself, that those are the little things that manufacturers should look at for the end users. Where can they change up their arsenal without having to change their pricing and offer more, deliver more and give more value. And yeah. that's what you guys hit the mark with, with a product like that. Don't get me wrong. The other products are great too, but just to single that one out and, yep. and, it works. It works to every benefit of what you guys have marketed it for, including the video of showing where you did the 50-50 on the headrest and put the pen mark across it. I did that myself. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's solid. So yeah. that helps a lot. And, you know, I personally, in my area, we live in an engineer-based community. I have NASA, SpaceX as being on the Space Coast. But I also mm -hmm. have a lot of Northrop Grumman, Rockwell Collins, Harris, like all these big corporations. So a lot of these guys, they have casual days where they're wearing blue jeans, to my point. So those blue jeans has dye transfer. And I've gotten actually yep. a couple of compliments back where I had one gentleman, he had his uh, baby wipes in the car from his kids and he used the baby wipes and it wiped right off. And at that point, I was just like, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's what we're using. So yeah. kudos to you guys in regards to the leather coat because that is definitely a... Uh, you know, a good product for the industry and for detailers. And of course, the end user, the customer. Good. Appreciate that. Absolutely. But um, so with the coating, though, you know, the initial or the official, I should say, coating that you guys have, uh, you took part in a lot of that bill from what I remember you explaining to me. Um, and, and you guys, you know, just like most other companies, weren't really a coating company. You know, and so diving into that, you know, explain a little bit of the of, of why you guys went that direction and then how that came up and everything that the term term it took to develop it, to get it dialed in where you wanted it to. So I guess, you know, we we definitely recognize that, hey, listen, ceramics are going to be the thing for the next several years. We got to get into it. Um, and we also need to understand it appropriately. Because in the beginning, I'm sure you can attest to this as well, uh, the way the ceramics were marketed was just, it was kind of the Wild West and the claims were, it was nuts. And, and it was really uh, damaging to the installer because they had to explain to a customer you know, what it's truthfully going to do and what you need to actually expect. You know, you're not going to light your hood on fire <laughs> and expect it's going to be uh, just fine all the time. So... You know, the first thing was understanding what are the true benefits of these ceramic coatings. And once we understood, you know, the hydrophobic attributes, you know, it's going to help be scratch resistant, but it is not scratch resistant. We all know that. Um, 
we were able to kind of dial in on a system that not only was at the time probably one of the easiest to apply, but also gave you a good working window because, you know, you see a lot of people struggle with what they could, they've coined now as leveling. So they'll get, you know, two overlaying sections that don't necessarily get either, you know, buffed off in the right period of time or, um, you know, it'll just get overlooked with ours in the way that you were to apply it and then work to completion. So you would actually work it in the amount of residue that was left back left behind was so minimal. Um, I think that really helped with the installer as well as just, you know, just visually, you can see easier where you're at, where there was anything that was left behind versus looking at a large area that you leave for, you know, three to five minutes and then wipe off. So focus point is obviously in results of performance, but you guys also really focus on application process. Is that, you know, just like a lot of these different formulations, AKA recipes, they all differ in regards to application. So basically you had to go back to the drawing board and look at that recipe to see where that would contribute to an easier install or a more user-friendly install. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that as a trend in our industry, with a professional result is something that people are looking for. You know, the, uh, the day of doing a panel size this big with a little tiny cotton applicator is over. We've got to be able to do a car, get it out of that shop space because it's taking up money in that shop. You know, that space is developing money, every car that's in and out. And when you have a car that's going to sit there for 24 hours, you're only getting paid on one job. So speed, ease of use on application, um, all of that comes into play. It's, it's no good for us to come out with a product that's going to work for 10 years, but it's so hard to install that, you know, we're going to be fielding questions nonstop. Our installers are going to have a hard time and the end users aren't going to be able to work with it either. So there's always this, you know, give and take between longevity as well and performance and application, you know, cause some of those long lasting high performance coatings are not usable for everybody. It's no. a very, very um, skilled installer to do it. So, And the technique changes, you know, damp towel applications and, you know, high humidity atmospheres and all these different variables that just work against the installer when they're just trying to make money and make a car look good. Yep. Right. And it kind of throws a wrench in the mix of that to make it harder to do that. And it's like, well, what the heck am I doing this for if it's going to be difficult? Right. But well, people and the other thing is we want everybody to understand their products, right? But we don't want them to have to become a chemist to use the products. And I've seen in the industry with ceramic coatings, especially, first off, there's a wild amount of disinformation. And there's also, um, there's so much out there that is the same, but not, I, you know, I, I feel like we're finally starting to get some standardization into it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, we're starting to see easy to use products, realistic claims, and, and it's starting to kind of like calm back down. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I, I just, I think that the overarching thing with this is going to be ease of use and it's got to be repeatable. If you can't have a repeatable product and this isn't even just ceramic, it's, it's anything that you're going to use um, 
the reality is we don't have long-term positions all the time with detailers. So you've got to be able to train somebody quickly on it. They've got to be able to do it easily. Um, and if you don't have that ability with that product, it's probably the wrong one. You know? Yeah. And let's, let's look at it business-wise, right? If, if you have, if you're a one-man band and yes, you're installing coatings, you're making a killing, that's great. But there's only so many coatings you could install because there's only so many hours in a day. But at the same time, on, on the business perspective, how do you scale yourself and your business when you're a one-man band? It's a very difficult thing to do. It doesn't mean it can't be done, but versus having employees, now it brings you into a whole other level of being able to scale your business. And if you're able to train people on these products because they're more user-friendly application, now you've built a business. You've built something that helps you, but the manufacturers helped you get there too because of the tools that they put that made available in your arsenal. And that's, again, going back to the manufacturers making it easier for the detailers to build their business. That's another one that you guys have definitely hit the mark and, and thinking that through because of your background, being a technician and a detailer, I'm sure that helps a lot when you're in there and you're like, oh, this formula, I'm taking it off. It's not, but we got to change this. We got to change this yeah. right now. <laughs> well, you know, it's neat when we run into that, I've gone through in a single day, three or four different variations of a single compound because my chemistry lab is next to my detailing shop. Yep. So, you know, we walk back and forth, we work together. Jason comes out, we all stand there and dial it into where it needs to be. Then we get feedback, you know, from uh, people across the country and the world. We're, we're a global company. So our products can't just work in Akron, Ohio or Barberton, Ohio. They've got to work. Well, why not? <laughs> make it a lot easier you just had to work there right it worked in our lab it should work for you in south florida i don't care that's about right. your humidity <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. screw your humidity come install it in ohio yeah boom done easy yeah. <laughs> Warranty that way. Yeah. yeah just 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 flatbed the car here we'll take care of it for you and then we'll flatbed it back <laughs> I, I think john miller puts it pretty well when he's talking to customers and he says you know it's a partnership and if we can't have them be successful, we can't be successful. So it's it's all of us working together to give them a product that's easy to use that they can use again to you know make money with. If they're not making money, we're not making money. So it's at the end of the day, it's always a a partnership. Absolutely, and that that goes into the credibility of your of, of the brand of Malco and how many decades they've been around and how large and how many facilities you guys have for the the company and the organization. I mean, that it's, it's a, it's, it's a scenario where when you guys are getting these raw materials and you're doing this R and D and you're figuring these things out, it's not like you just jumped into this. Yes. You may have, you know, got into coatings just more recently, but that doesn't mean the chemistry of it isn't something that's already been played with. It's just right. a matter of dialing in recipes and formulations. So in the time you guys take to actually R and D on a product, is very important and that's what helps contribute to the success of like you said making the relationships and making everything easier and yeah, yeah we're, we're not always first to market with with a lot of things but when we do come out with something we make sure it's right we make sure it's going to work for all of our customers for the most part so we're, we're very conservative in that in that manner where you know we're not something if we if we think it's 90 percent there we're going to make sure it's 100 percent um make the best possible formulation that we can so sometimes that means you're not the first to market and you don't get that first uh first taste into the market. uh i think i think we're okay with that 
that's okay because being first to market or not being first to market doesn't always make you the cool kid on the block. Exactly. You know what I mean? Just because you were there, that's great. You could put those, that feather those... in your cap, but that also makes a target on your back. Exactly. <laughs> and you, someone's going to probably quickly. Yeah. Someone's going to make it bigger, better, badder. So exactly. it's, it's, it's one of those things where you've been able to see what else has come out. What's, what's established, what people enjoy about that category yes. and then being able to dial in to make sure you could, you can make your own version of that. Right. Yeah. It's only been in the last, uh, you know, four or five years that we've really tried to, to uh, cater a little more towards the end user, the enthusiast market um, versus the professional in the dealership or, or the detail shop like yourself. Um, you know, we, that was our bread and butter for 50 years, but there's a whole other world out there called e-commerce and uh, you, you know, YouTube and social media, where if we don't have things that are, um, you know, technologically advanced, um, we're going to be left behind. So it's only been the last few years that we've recognized a real strong push for not only coming out with newer technology in our products, but also marketing them the right way and making them available in smaller sizes for e-commerce and, and, and really targeting that market market as much as, um, as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the thing is the end user and the consumer, you know, that 16 ounce size is the sweet spot for them not to pay too much, pay just enough and still sample it right. for the term that they need to, to really figure out if they like it or want to try something else. Right. Yeah. Now with just to top on uh, the coding itself, Bill, just give me a little technical background on durability, longevity, how many layers, you know, all the, all the stuff that a, a detailer would want to hear just in case they aren't aware that Malco makes a coating. So they have some information on it. Okay. So the current one, um, two year coating, we recommend a single layer. Um, I've actually had significantly better outcomes doing a single layer than doing multi-layers. Um, we're able to transfer a lot of solids in a single application. And from what I've seen more often than not, people struggle with understanding one layer. <laughs> and I don't well, know it's, the, it's the cure time, right? If, if you're not gonna let it properly cure before you put on that second coat, that's where they run into trouble. Yeah, and it, you know, you're actually removing some because you've got those carriers that are still involved there and they're gonna pull off anything that's on there that's not fully cured. So yeah. a lot of times you're fighting yourself and wasting product. Um, Cannibalistic, where it eats itself. Yeah. Well, I mean, truth be told, we're the manufacturer. And if you want to use more product. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Go we'll, for it. <laughs> we'll tell you more. But, you know, the idea is to have the best outcome possible. And to have the best outcome possible, you're going to achieve that by doing a single application with it. Um, that being said, what's different about ours than a lot of the other ones that are on the end or that are out there now? Uh, it's humidity cured. So if you go after this thing with a heat lamp, you're really not accelerating anything. So at the end of the day, it needs the time that it takes to cure. So it's, you know, you want to keep it indoors or off the road for at least 24 hours. We, we have people that take them home after 12, you know, but we say, if you're going to take it home, make sure the roads are dry you know, especially in Northeast Ohio or in Florida where it rains every day at 3.30, <laughs> you've kind of got to plan accordingly. But when you're going to spend a premium to get your car done, I think that part of your planning should be that cure time at the end too, because that's just as important as the application itself. 
So, you know, you wouldn't paint a car and lay out a show car paint job and pull it out of the booth before it's done curing and start messing with it. And I, I kind of put those two together because people understand um, how much body work goes in prior to paint application and prior to ceramic application on a, on a proper job, you should be doing uh, paint correction and paint correction, you know, whether it's one step or multi-step is time consuming. So you want to protect that job that you're putting on there. Um, so what else did I miss anything, Jason? <laughs> now, well, now, could you kind of get away with, uh, putting CR2 on top of it, if you want to release it a little bit earlier. Um, not saying you would recommend that, but would that help any in regards to sealing the surface from the elements in case the customer absolutely has to have their vehicle back? Would that be like maybe a, a last kind of resort scenario? We don't, we don't recommend it um, simply because there is still a, a, you know, a percentage of water in, in the CR2. So it's gonna, um, it's not gonna play well if 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 the coating isn't fully cured. Once it's fully cured, it absolutely. You know, a, a day or two later, sure you can hit it. Um, and you know, we we have found, you know, um, our, our by the book instructions are 24 hours um, to let it fully cure. Don't don't you know keep it in a controlled environment for at least 12. That's that's our prescribed. Uh, directions because we know people aren't going to follow them um, and we know you know the, the industry is going to do what they're going to do um, but we have found that it will cure much quicker in the right humidity and so if you don't have that perfect humidity you know perhaps out in the southwest um, where you know it might it may take that 12 hours but in most cases it'll probably cure quicker than that um, you know it, for for all intents and purposes so we, um, <clears throat> what, what I will mention that, you know, Bill asked, did I forget anything? And he kind of alluded to it with our current coding is that, um, we are working on, um, you know, so, sort of a, a next generation. We've, we've been doing a lot of work with evaluating what's out there, what, um, what our customers are asking for, you know, what's the technology grown in the, in the three years since we launched our coding, um, and so we are evaluating uh, and looking at uh, possibly a, a, a second gen um, in the next, hopefully in the next uh, six to 12 months. So that would be a second option or would it be replacing the first? TBD. <laughs> I, 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 we Not haven't sure determined yet? that yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's, Understand. That's, uh, that's as much as I'm willing to share. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it alone then. Enough said. Let me ask you this then: on you know a year passes, you get some element build, you do the standard chemical decon. Is this something that you could take maybe a super light polish that you that Malco offers, whether it be out of the Epic line or something within the Malco line in general that you could do a light polish on to kind of strip and reset the surface value, and then go back over it with that same coating just to add more, say. Uh, layers or to add more surface value that's something that you could do because obviously the first layer would be yeah. cured for quite some well, time it, it really depends on how much is left behind because sometimes you know that two-year coating if you take it through the wrong car wash or you just don't take care of it the right way or if you're in you know a lot of weather um, leave it outside every day whatever it may not be there in a year 
So, you know, it may be gone at two year coating, maybe a one year coating if you, if you don't treat it the right way. And if you don't boost it with the CR2. Um, so, so to answer your question, yes, you absolutely could uh, do a polish. And, and if it doesn't require much paint correction, you could probably refine that surface enough and put, put a new layer of coating on. Um, it just depends on how much is there. Um, right. it's yeah. still, it, it needs to bond to the paint, right? Yep. So it's not to say that a second layer isn't going to bond to a previous layer. It's just, it needs to be properly cured. And, and, and if it's, if it's, if that's the case, then yeah, it's no problem. Yeah. With the, with the right scenario, obviously without right. all those other variables. Of course. Well, after, after your chemical wash and looking at it, you're going to see areas that would be hydrophobic or not. And right. that, that's your telling basically guide code. You know, when you go around the car, if it's hydrophobic and standing up, you know that the coating's still there and working properly. Um, and, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing because I've, I've had um, people, just friends of mine that have had their cars coated and they reach out to me and they're like, it's a lot of times like fall, winter, spring when the roads are dirty. And they're like, you know, my car just, it's not hydrophobic anymore. I don't think my coating works. And nine times out of 10, it's, contamination on their car you know it's leaves it's dirt it's debris it's salt but they forget that the surface on top of all that dirt when it finally does get the ability to collect on your car isn't going to be hydrophobic <laughs> you know so you've got to get that for lack of a better term like scum off the outside of your car for the surface of it to actually do what it's designed to do yeah no we we experience that here and i call it being clogged because yeah. yeah, we'll get, I mean, pollen right now, pollen's crazy. Yeah. And a lot right. of people don't realize that that's one of the things that will be quick to clog a coating's characteristics, even though it's super fine, but on a microscopic level, it looks like a sand spur sure. and it's attaching to everything in everywhere it can. So a lot of times it will clog those characteristics. And I've gotten customers that are like, oh my gosh, we just do a wash and some kind of chemical decontamination and boom, you're back to square so one. Wipe it right off the coating. Yeah, no, dry wipe it. Yeah. yeah. I get I get the uh the old school California duster and I do it right in the parking lot. I figure it's courtesy. <laughs> it's a it's a 12-year-old California duster that's been sitting on the shelf, right? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Looks like an overdried microfiber towel. Right, sure. <laughs> oh goodness. I think my dad has one where when you take it off the handle, it runs away on its own. <laughs> has its own legs. Yeah. Uh, so um, currently with, you know, everything that, you know, you've brought to the market with the coding category, you guys are getting a lot of positive feedback, I take it, in regards to everything that's released with the fabric, the leather and all those other yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, the um, the response has been really great. You know, like I said, it, it was it's been almost a year since we launched the, the fabric coat and the leather coat. And, and those have been great. You know, we... Uh, it's one of those things, you know, going back to, you know, over-promising and, and uh, some manufacturers just kind of uh, over-extenuating their, their uh, claims, um, you know, with, with the fabric and leather coat, you know, you're, you're not going to put ceramic on a, a leather seat because it's, if it's a true ceramic, it's going to harden it and it's going to be, you know, not a plush leather seat anymore. So we wanted to get away from kind of that, that, um, naming of, of, of it being a ceramic coating, but it has kind of all those properties. It's hydrophobic, you know, especially the, the, um, 
the fabric coat, if you properly coat your fabric with it, it water's going to run right off of it. And, and, you know, any spill or whatever they may happen is going to, you know, collect in, in puddles or, or beat up. It's not going to soak in. So we, we really didn't want to overpromise with calling it ceramic, but it is a, it is a true coating. And it's well, been, yeah. it's, say, Justin, you've probably seen with like um, fabric coatings that they're, after a certain amount of time, it will permeate. And I think yeah. that's a, yeah, wears out. when we talk about fabric coatings. And the cleaners they're using, right? What's that? And any cleaners they may be using will, will break it down. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and people don't realize that. And they also think that, you know, let's say we're talking about like old school 60s, 70s hook and loop style carpet, right? So if I fabric coat that, those strands, those hooks and loops and everything, those are going to be fabric protected. But there's such a wide weave there that you're never going to get, you know, water to stand on top of a weave that you can basically see through. Yeah. But we're, so that's, that's one thing that I always kind of bring up so people understand it. And then another thing is, you know, when they're installing it, if you wipe down the carpet, just like you would a suede, uh, you know, chair or jacket, and it lays in one direction, and you spray it on, let it dry, and then wipe it the other way, spray it on, let it dry, you've essentially covered two sides of that strand. You know, so there's little things that you can do that kind of help that as well. But I always try and talk to that and give realistic expectations. So. Now, if somebody oversaturate with your product, is there any issues that that may cause with oversaturation or do they just have to wait and let it dry? Longer drying time. Yep. Because I know that some of them can change the textile feel of like the traditional Scotch guard. Yeah. And that's one that, you know, you see at every store that most people would go and grab because it works at home, right? Let's right. put it in our car. And next thing you know, it's like cardboard. Yeah. Or tacky. Off. You know, because right. the humidity in our in our state of Florida just doesn't allow it to really set up. Right. So, well, that's good. Well, I don't know if you saw, but we did a video a month or two ago now going back, and we were actually doing shoes with the fabric protection. And so I wear Vans every day, and I'm in a shop. So I do the tops of all my Vans with the fabric protection, and it, it honestly helps. Nice. So. Very nice. I'm the same way. I got stuck with a with a brand shoe that I've been wearing since I was a teenager and I just haven't got away from it. <laughs> about you, Jason? What are you wearing for your shoes today? Uh, whatever's cheap. Crocs. <laughs> I do have a pair of garage Crocs. Oh. I'm not going to lie. But no, usually, I, I, you know, I'm a Doc Martens kind of guy and, uh, and got my slew of Nikes. I, I never really got into the skater shoe uh, scene, if you will. Yeah, it works when you skate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a skater. I fall down and hurt myself. <laughs> we don't need that happening. They need no. you there. <laughs> so as far as your, your daily routine for you, Bill, you're usually out in the shop still testing stuff, still playing with stuff on, on the daily. So I, I do a little bit of – I help with the marketing a lot of times in the morning. So I'll come mm -hmm. in and I'll step in and you know answer some questions that would come in from online that maybe needed a, a technical answer. Um, and then a lot of times I balance my time between shop and office a lot of times, and it depends on what we're trying to develop. You know, sometimes it's five days a week in the shop. Other times it's, you know, just a mix. It, it really depends on 
what project we're doing. And, and that's kind of the neat part about my job is it's not the same every day. You know, I, I do something different almost every day. Sometimes I'm out in the field and I'll just go sit in the shop and I'll, I'll watch people work. It sounds kind of weird, but I'm looking for struggles or, um, you know, things that people don't normally look at, but I, I want to see how they apply their product to their path. I want to see, you know, how far do they push the products before they give up on them on consumables like uh, pads, magic erasers, I, just anything and everything. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of um, just watching and taking in what you see that happens too. Nice. How about yourself, Jason? What's your daily routine like? Well, in the last year, it's been strictly office, which is painful for all of us. Um, you know, we, we, we haven't had um, the ability to travel in the last year. It's that's starting to open up finally. Um, but, uh, but yeah, generally it's, it's uh, most days are, are in the office. Uh, you know, I, I usually am back in the, the detail bay with, with Bill um, at least, you know, half a day to, to a full day a week you know, we're, we're, where we're looking at something new or doing some, some new testing. Um, but I, I'm anxious to get back out in the field. Cause like Bill said, you know, even if it's riding on a truck with a distributor meeting, you know, different, uh, um, detailers out in the, out in the field, or, um, you know, just kind of working with, side by side with somebody to understand their processes. It helps me kind of see what's out there, what they're like, Bill said, what they're struggling with, um, what the opportunities are for, for new products and, and um, making our products better or, or whatever the case. So um, I'd, I'd like to be traveling, um, you know, once or twice a month, um, you know, somewhere out in the field. Um, but, and hopefully we'll get back to that here soon. Well, the fact that you guys do that, that you jump on some of the trucks that go, you know, shop to shop, dealership, dealership, getting that, you know, in the field or into trenches to say feedback, directly from the end user is awesome you have to yeah yeah you can't you can't create products for an industry in a vacuum um and so you know we work closely with our sales team to, to understand their needs um you know we we work very closely with with malk of ohio which is is a a sister company of of ours that you know we're able to kind of get direct feedback feedback from the field and they cover most of Ohio. So that's invaluable, um, you know, resource to us as well. It's, it's always a learning opportunity too. You know, I don't care if somebody has been working for six months or 40 years, you know, that's why I kind of hate the term expert because <laughs> every time you go in somewhere, if you're paying attention and you don't know everything, you can actually learn something new. So, you know, I've picked stuff up from people that have just started. And it's maybe just because they do something that seems to be natural to them, but other people don't do it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having your eyes open and, and paying attention to things sometimes definitely uh, is a benefit. No, that's, that's a very true statement. I've seen that myself from guys coming into the industry. They just have a unique way of doing things. That's like, ah, I've never seen it done like that. Yeah. I like that. And then the word or the term, expert is used so loosely in yeah. every industry not just ours but every industry because it's i think it's more of a marketing word now more than anything sure that's i think more of what it's become and it kind of sucks because it's not does doesn't always hold the true value that it once did when it was used now I, it's I find it negative 
honestly, when I go into a place and people call me an expert, people already look at you and expect you to have a certain way you carry yourself. I want to be seen as like a partner, you know, so I'm going to come in there and let's work together and I'll help you finish a car you're working on and let's figure out what you're trying to get through together. You know, that when you come in with a hierarchy over somebody, you're going to lose them right away. But if you come in and you work with them on the same level playing ground, you might learn something and you're going to do it a lot quicker because they're not threatened. You know, they're, yeah. when, when you come in and you tell somebody how to do their job that they've been doing for 40 years or 20 years, especially when you're, you're young like I am, they're like, well, this punk kid doesn't know anything and I'm not going to listen to him. But if I yeah. come and I work with you like I'm your partner, you know, we're going to have a lot better working relationship and, and probably learn from each other. I completely can relate. I get that all the time. I, I'm 38, but I look 25 and I got tattoos. So I automatically just get, get discredited until I open my mouth. Then, then things change a little bit. <laughs> yep. Got to prove yourself. Um, so with that, and thank you guys so much. We are coming up on the time frame of ending the podcast. However, I want to get uh, words of advice from each of you. So I'll start with you, Bill. Um, what word of advice in regards, it could be anything. It could be people getting into the industry. It could be guys out, you know, selling products. It could be anything, but what, what's some good word of advice that you would have that you could put out there for somebody? Well, you know, this day and age, we have so many resources available to us, you know, from YouTube, uh, there's all these online forums, uh, there's local groups, you know, you can get in with local car clubs. I would say utilize the resources available to you because the information is available at your fingertips. So, you know, become proficient with whatever aspect you want to be, you know, involved in, in the automotive industry and just dive into it and ask people questions because you can't learn without asking a dumb question. You know, I ask questions all the time and I'll only be, I'll only ask a dumb question one time because after that I know it. And it's really not a dumb question. People are just afraid to ask it. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that they just have to be humble and, and learn. Use all your resources and learn. Yeah, I like that. Definitely exercise your resources. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Jason? Well, I'm going to not be original and just piggyback <laughs> on that. Just because <laughs> that was what first came to my mind was education. And, um, you know, that... What, what you've done, Justin, with the IDA and, and um, you know, a lot of the other industry experts um, have really given themselves to this industry in ways that um, most other industries don't. And so I've been lucky enough to be through several different industries, you know, the retail sector, like I said, the graphics industry, the, um, the, the manufacturing um, the different different sectors of, of industry. And I've never seen such I don't know if I want to call it brotherhood, but but there's a there's a um, a true want and um, and need for people to to succeed and help each other. And so um, that you know to to carry or piggyback on what um, Bill said, it's educating yourself. Um, look at all those resources, but also you know befriend some of the the industry folks out there, whether they're experts or not. You know, even if there's somebody learning that like you. Um, you know, at, at any of the, one of the events, and obviously we haven't had events in the last year, but uh, hopefully we get back to that where, where we can have some camaraderie and really uh, feed off each other for, you know, just, just learning and bringing each other 
uh, to the next level. That's, that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, bringing your craft up, bringing your, your knowledge up um, and, and taking it to the next level. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Thank both of you guys for your time and background and people getting to know you and getting to know more about your positions at Malco. And this is something that, you know, for those who listen, watch or whatever approach you were able to take to, to get this in front of you, um, if you ever need to learn more about Malco or have interest in talking with somebody, these are the two guys. I mean, there, there's a huge team there, but these two guys are, you know, the educational resource for product development and all that goes out that you see when you're reading up or watching videos. So they're the, the brains behind that and they'd be the perfect people to call, email, um, and just, you know, pick their brain in regards to you diving into the Malco line of products. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. This is again, another number 23 of the Reflection Artist Live. So hopefully we'll have you on when we get into uh, out of the double digits and into the triple digits and revisit yes. where, where we are then. Hopefully we'll have a couple of events under our belt and feel a little yeah. bit more normal. But, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yeah, me too. I appreciate you guys taking the time today. I appreciate Seth allowing you guys to uh, come on and, and, and enjoy the hour of, of free time with me. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was funny because I reached out to Clint after I saw your first couple and I said, you know, if you guys ever need anybody, you know, Bill or I would be interested. And, and Clint said, uh, yeah, well, we actually have Seth. I already asked him. And I said, okay, well, you know, if there's a future one and he said, no, we'll get both of you guys on the same one. And I was like, okay, whatever you want to do, Clint. So we, we really appreciate, uh, you know, the invite and, and, uh, shooting the breeze with you. It's, it's been fun. Yeah. It's always fun spending time with you guys. So thank you again for being on, let you get back to your day and thank you everybody for listening and or watching again, another live podcast with reflection artists live, everybody take care and, uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.